Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, hope you're okay and ready for the weekend. Thanks for downloading today's podcast on Friday the 21st of April. First up, it's feared there could be traffic chaos in part of Kent this weekend as a section of the M20 is going to be closed. Work's being carried out to repair and maintain a bridge. Kate's been looking at the details for us. So what area is this going to affect? Well, it's the coastbound stretch between junctions 9 and 10A that's going to be shut from 8 this evening all the way through to 6am on Monday. The official diversion route is 88 miles long, taking drivers off the motorway at junction 6 for Maidstone onto the A229 then the M2 past Sittingbourne and Faversham, joining the A2 near Canterbury, then onto the A20 through Dover and Folkestone before coming back to Ashford via the M20. That'll all add about an hour and a half onto journeys. That sounds like quite an ordeal. So will people actually follow it? Well, this is the concern of residents in Ashford who say no one's going to go the long way around and traffic will cause gridlock in the town instead. We spoke to driving instructor Tony Murphy, who says the closure will add a huge amount of pressure to local roads. Other residents on Facebook are worried lorries through the town will cause a nightmare for people living there, with one saying it'll be absolute chaos. So what's the response been from highways bosses? National Highways say the work on the Great Riversdale Bridge between Ashford Rugby Club and Heathfield Road is critical for safety reasons. Their statement goes on to say, we've worked closely with the local authorities in the area, Kent County Council, Dover Council and Eurotunnel to agree a route that is suitable for all vehicles that reduces the impact on local communities. The work will include the replacement of expansion joints, resurfacing and waterproofing. There'll be more overnight closures next week and the London-bound carriageway is due to be closed over the bank holiday weekend. Thanks, Kate. You can keep up with any travel issues over the weekend at Kent Online and listen to regular updates on KMFM. On to some other news now. A man who crashed his car during a police chase after stealing a litter of puppies and their mum in Canterbury has been jailed for four years. A court heard 31-year-old Danny Frankham from Water Lane in Harrietsham hit another vehicle head-on. A woman suffered life-changing injuries while one of the puppies died and another was never found. A nursery in Folkestone's been rated inadequate after inspectors found babies were being changed on dirty mats and sleeping in shared bedding that wasn't washed regularly. Ofsted have raised various concerns about hygiene, safety and teaching standards at Little Acorns Childcare in St George's Church. It'll be re-inspected within the next five months and the manager says improvements have already been made. A quick look at some national news now and the Deputy Prime Minister has resigned after an investigation into bullying allegations against civil servants. It follows complaints at three different departments headed by Dominic Raab. He's always denied any wrongdoing and is still strongly defending his conduct. Our political editor Paul Francis has more. Well, there's never a good time for a high-profile politician to quit their job, particularly when they're doing so because of accusations made against them over bullying staff. But that is the exception today with Dominic Raab's decision to resign in the face of a report that upheld two of the eight complaints made against him into bullying. Now he seems to uh, be going reluctantly and grudgingly accepts in his resignation letter that he could have behaved differently. But he's obviously very upset at the fact that uh, he is having to leave his job 
on the basis of just two of the claims made against him over this bullying. Whether this will have any impact on the local council elections in just under two weeks' time is difficult to quantify. But it is for the opposition parties uh, a opportunity perhaps to uh, exploit the government's difficulties on the doorstep with voters. While it's difficult to quantify the impact of the Deputy Prime Minister's resignation, it is not what the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak would have wanted to have happened so close to these uh, important council elections. Now, what do Kent MPs think about it all? Well, there's not very much to report on that front. We do know that Helen Grant, the Mason and Weald MP, did support or offer a statement of support for uh, Mr Raab back in November last year when the inquiry was getting underway, saying she had never seen any of the unpleasant behaviour that Dominic Raab was supposed to be uh, guilty of. And the Gillingham MP, Raymond Chishti, meanwhile, supported Dominic Raab in the leadership contest of 2019. But as to other MPs, they're keeping their counsel and perhaps wisely so. Thanks, Paul. Don't forget you can follow the national page of Kent Online for more UK-wide stories. Kent Online reports. Now, as we get ready to mark Earth Day, a Kent climate campaigner says we should be doing more to tackle a biodiversity crisis. Events will be taking place all over the world tomorrow with this year's theme to invest in our planet. Our reporter Louis Walker has been speaking to Carl Wright from the Canterbury Climate Action Partnership. One thing we're doing tomorrow at Earth Day is very much looking at uh, how how biodiversity and climate interact. And, you know, it's very obvious that the two are linked, you know, global warming has huge effects on animals, on plants, on our environment. And of course, the, the biodiversity crisis, as, as David Attenborough has sort of demonstrated very aptly on many occasions, including some of his recent BBC series, is, is very much with us, including in our own district. You know, you just think of the spillages on the beaches and the waterways, the reduction of our green spaces. And so uh, what we want to do is to really highlight the the linkage between climate and biodiversity crisis, and also to engage with um, councillors and others um, with the local elections coming up to really try and make sure that this is top of the agenda when, when the new council takes office in May. So how important is an event like Earth Day with engaging the local population? Well, I think it's critical. I mean, it's been going since 1970. It's a global event. It takes part all over the UK. Um, we're linking up with, with a, our partner body, which is actually the Canterbury District Biodiversity Network, which is a partner organisation, but many other local groups. And we're really trying to sort of tell the public uh, there is a real crisis, just as there's a climate crisis, a climate emergency. There's also an ecological crisis, an ecological biodiversity crisis. And again, Come back to David Attenborough, you know, his, one of his notable quotes, which I could do no better than, than give, is to say that um, we have to cherish uh, nature because we're part of nature and we depend on it. So that's the message we want to get across. So it's great with engaging, but how can local populations get involved in Ken? Many ways. Uh, I mean, it's very simple things, you know, just think about things like doing your recycling uh, picking up litter, you know, I'm always picking up wretched McDonald's cartons and things by the roadside, which you know, lots of other people do. Um, just really value our environment, plant trees, you know, grow wild flowers. Those are the obvious things. But of course, you get into more sophisticated areas. 
Um, you know, they they also, you know, we've got the hustings coming up, I think on Monday of some of the Canterbury candidates, uh, they could question their local politicians, uh, their local councillor, what are you actually doing at the at the council level? How are our biodiversity targets, climate targets being integrated into the new local plan for, for Canterbury and indeed for Kent? You know, it's, it goes beyond just the district. It covers, you know, the whole of Kent and beyond. So I think, I think you know, you can be active very much as an individual doing very basic things like recycling, which, you know, a lot of people do already. Uh, but you can also be active politically. You can be active as a citizen and really make sure that, you know, our council, our representatives, our local businesses respect those those issues which are affecting all of us. Elsewhere today, it's been revealed the organisation that runs a failing school on Sheppey is going to remain in charge for the next academic year as a new provider hasn't been found. The Oasis Community Learning Trust announced they were pulling out of Oasis Academy in February after a damning Ofsted report. There are concerns about uncertainty over the school's future. Bosses insist improvements have been made and say they're continuing to prioritise pupils and the wider community. Police searching for a missing dad and his young daughter say they're becoming extremely worried about their welfare. Ahmed Karwan Abdullah and his three-year-old Dunya were last seen in Blackpool nearly two weeks ago. They have links to Kent, so may have travelled to the county. Investigators say the disappearance is out of character. At the time of recording, they still hadn't been found. Anyone with information is being urged to come forward. Kent Online reports. After months of training, thousands of people will take take part in the London Marathon this weekend. Friends and family will be hoping for good weather as huge crowds are expected to gather in the capital on Sunday. Emily Pearson, who's a secondary school teacher from Dartford, is among those taking on the 26.2-mile challenge. She's raising money for Macmillan Cancer Support after the charity helped her with both her dad's cancer treatment and her own diagnosis with Lynch syndrome. The 27-year-old's been telling Louis more about her story. When I was 11, my dad dad was diagnosed with bowel cancer um so he was in hospital in and out and he had to have chemo for six months um and due to the severity of his cancer he had to have it every two weeks um so he was more of an inpatient quite a lot um and we was involved with Macmillan quite a lot and I think so my brother is a year younger and being 11 myself it was quite hard to understand um, so they did a lot of work with not just my dad, but also the family of having to explain it to us. Um, and then when I was 18, um, my dad put forward that it there could be a genetic um, gene that uh, had been detected within the family. And he basically opened it up and said, it's your choice if you want to go for genetic testing. So I did. Um, and then at the age of 18, I found out I had Lynch syndrome, which is uh, a genetic mutation. Um, and there's types of cancers that make it more prominent, um, really. Um, and that's when my prevention and surveillance started at the age of 18. Um, and I think as the years have gone on, I've become more understanding of myself and with prevention side of things. Um, and I think health plays a massive part in that. Um, and obviously I'm only 27 now, like, you know, I had my checks a couple of months ago and even when you go into the hospital, they're like, oh, you're so young to be here. Whereas the other patients in the room who are getting surveillance are much older because the NHS doesn't normally do surveillance till you're over 50, but because of the Lynch syndrome, it obviously starts much earlier. 
Um, and then a couple of years ago, I always like a challenge. You know, I'm very fitness focused. I like the, to go into the gym. Um, my whole nutrition and health side of things are completely changed. And I think that does play a part now because I know it does link into making sure I have the best health possible. Um, and that was a focus, I think, because I just thought if I don't do it now, it's it's not going to happen. Um, and it's probably the fittest I've I've been really because I I have focused on health and fitness and that does play a part. So how has preparation been going for the marathon? Um, it's been really intense. Um, so it's getting warmer now, which is a bit of a panic with it being only a couple of days away. Um, but I've done the house stones, I've done the snow, I've done the wind, I've done the rain, I've done the dark nights. Um, and that has been tough, but I think it makes, it definitely has pushed mindset. And I think the marathon with it being 26.2 miles, <laughs> um, it is about mindset and whether you can like endure it. And I think going out in those type of runs have made, have improved that. Um, and whatever the day brings, I think if there's a little bit of rain, that doesn't bother me. Whereas I think many people would be like, oh, it's raining. Like I'm not going to do it today. Um, but I really have gone in every single weather. Um, but I've been training since October I started. Um, so I'm now at the stage where I'm ready. I just I just want to do it. Well, good luck to everyone who's taking part. Hopefully you meet your goal and enjoy the atmosphere of the big day. A popular hotel and wedding venue near Aylesford is reopening under a new name after being shut for a year. Larkfield Priory will now be called Hamlet Hotels Maidstone after being taken over by a new company. It's launching tomorrow after a huge refurb. You can see pictures in the story at Kent Online. Now, the annual Pride in Medway Awards take place tonight. The event celebrates local heroes who've made a difference in their community, volunteer groups and charities who've helped disadvantaged families and Ukrainian refugees are among those nominated. Shops on Rochester High Street have been transformed as film crews shoot scenes for The Crown. It's being used to portray Charles and Camilla's wedding, which happened in Windsor in 2005. You can see pictures in that story at Kent Online. Now, ahead of St George's Day this weekend, children in North Kent are taking part in parades today. More than 20 local schools are involved in the celebrations in Gravesend and Dartford. Louis has been chatting to Govinda Sander from Cohesion Plus. The idea for us is around St George's Day is that using it to bring communities together to celebrate what unites. And we're very lucky that we're able to work with Gravesend and Dartford Borough Councils to make it happen. So a phrase I've seen in a lot of in uh, some of the promotional videos on your website was the reclaim the flag. So could you talk on that a bit and why that's so important? So the reason St George's Day is particularly very close to me is when I was growing up, born here in Kent, born in Gravesham, some of my earliest memories of being racially abused, you know, going into town with my parents, coming home from school. And also growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, the Union flag, the flag of St George was kind of seen as the kind of preserve of the far right. And so for me, someone who, you know, organises events, working with the Sikh community, say, for example, Vasaki, working with different communities around Black History Month, Diwali, I always felt, why is it that we don't do nothing for St George's Day? So now more than about 10, 11 years ago now, we started the celebrations in Gratian when they developed in Dartford as well. 
So for me, it's about reclaiming that flag for the majority, not the minority. And we celebrate St George's Day in the context of England today. All communities, all faiths, young, old, urban, rural, coming together and celebrating what unites us rather than what divides us. But it's also important to remember that over the weekend, on Saturday, again, we're in Dartford. We're working in Dartford Town Centre in the market. We've got a fantastic lineup of kind of activities. And so for me, I urge listeners, being Gracian with Dartford, please do come and join in. There's some fantastic uh, entertainment, and it's always great to support the children and to celebrate the hard work that they put in. More events are also taking place over the weekend, and What's On editor Sam Laurie's been taking a look. It's been a busy week for many as we all settle back into our routines of work and school after a very chocolate-filled Easter holiday. But just because the holidays are over, that doesn't mean that things are quietening down in Kent. There's lots to do over the weekend and let's not forget this Sunday marks St George's Day and many towns all over the county are celebrating. On Saturday there's live entertainment and free family fun in Dartford Town Centre which is a continuation of the Dartford and Gravesend parades that take place on the Friday. Kids can take photos with the dragon and join in with pop-up music and performances. On Sunday, the big day, there's live music at pubs in Broadstairs and Gravesend, a relaxing walk to Winston Churchill's former home, Chartwell, and family craft activities in Canterbury. We've got all the details on how and where to celebrate St George's Day online on our What's On page. For theatre lovers, there are also a few shows definitely worth catching this week. Girl Power Musical 6 returns to the county this week and will be at the Assembly Hall Theatre in Tunbridge Wells until Saturday. The Pop Concert Style Show is a feel-good feminist story told from the perspective of Henry VIII's wives. And that's not the only slice of English history being served up in theatres this week. Shakespeare's 16th century tragedy, Julius Caesar, is showing at the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury until Saturday. The Royal Shakespeare Company's production has been reimagined for a modern audience and features a community chorus with performers from the local area, including Canterbury and Whitstable. And finally, for all you foodies out there, you might want to book yourself a ticket for the Kent Cheese Train on Saturday. For the first time ever, Spa Valley Railway is launching its Cheese Train, which takes passengers from Erish to Tunbridge Wells and gives them four locally sourced cheeses with a selection of chutneys and crackers to sample along the way. There are still tickets left on the Spa Valley website, where you can also find details of the cheeses that will be served and check any dietary information. And that's about it for this weekend. Let's hope we see some bright and sunny spring weather over the next few days as we all venture out and about across the county. Thanks, Sam. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham will be hoping to build on Tuesday's victory when they travel to take on Bradford City this weekend. The Jules 2-0 win over top of the table late in Orient guaranteed them safety in League 2 for next season, but a power cut caused some drama at Priestfield. Despite the amazing results, manager Neil Harris has told a press conference it felt a bit underwhelming. I think the best way to describe it is, I probably can sum this up for certainly me and my staff, and probably the players, but certainly the fans as well, it was just... An empty climax, wasn't it? We should have been celebrating that. Not that we don't want to over-celebrate achieving staying in the division, because we should be thinking way above that. But from where we come from, it is a wonderful achievement. And we've done so well over the last three months that just with the, the manner of the lights going out, with the fact that could celebrate on the pitch, it, was sort of, it just felt like a little bit of an empty climax. And I think that's why it was all a little bit like at the end of the game. Um, but having had time to watch it back, having had time to reflect on it, um, look, we, we've done brilliantly well. And 
I'm so so positive, so excited, um, so pleased with the players. Um, you know, look forward to the last three games with a want to pick points up, um, but also you know a thought process to um, you know calmness to it and and just attacking the games. Bradford City, it's a lovely place to to, to go. I mean, would you describe it as the the best atmosphere, the best nicest ground, most attractive ground in the division? Um, I don't know if I talk about a ground as the most attractive. <laughs> uh, a football theatre, it certainly is, Valley Parade. Um, it's a great place, a great place to, when I played there, great place to manage at. Um, big football club with a big fan base uh, at the level. Should, no way should it be you know, pitting his wits uh, this this division. Um, but it's where they find themselves at the moment. And you know, they've got a good, good team, experienced manager, um, not respect for, for Mark and, and, and his staff. Um, and it's the next challenge in front of us. So opportunity for us um, to be in the form we're in and to go there with a little bit of freedom, it's a great opportunity for us to go and express ourselves. They're making the long trip north ahead of tomorrow's match. Bradford City are currently in the playoff places and will be fighting for promotion. Jules midfielder Tim Dean has been reflecting on their recent performance. The main target was to stay in that league. And um, yeah, we've done it and uh, it's good. But yeah, yeah. From day one, I knew that we would, we would stay up because what I saw uh, in training and uh, in games, I knew that we had the quality to, to win games and uh, to stay uh, in that division. So what did Tuesday feel like to actually get it done? A big relief, big relief to be fair. Um, yeah, obviously it was a bizarre game, but <laughs> no, it was a big relief to, to um, get those uh, 51 points and... Um, now we um, we need to keep there's three games left. We need to keep um, that momentum and to to move into onto next season. We've got good good players in that team, and uh, we showed in the um, in the second part of the season we are one of the best teams in the, in, in the league uh, in terms of points. So yeah, I think um, I'm ready, and I think that the lads are ready to go to go for it next season and. Uh, to push for promotion. Kickoff tomorrow is at three. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.